Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of his word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 80, The Chosen. Today, you're going to hear straight from Dallas Jenkins, creator, director, and co-writer of the first ever multi-season show about the life of Christ. The Chosen is the largest crowdfunded media project of all time, making it available for free so you can watch the Bible come to life on your family room TV. The Chosen brings us cultural and historical context mixed with artistic imagination to present this powerful retelling of the gospel stories that just puts you right there in the middle of each scene. Today, you'll get to hear the heart behind this amazing ministry and some insider details too about the series. Be sure to visit our website, Bible2school.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com, to check out the show notes so you can access everything we talk about in today's interview, including the chosen app, study guides, and devotionals. You'll also want to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of the amazing guests we have on the calendar for you this year. Like and share these episodes with whomever the Lord lays on your heart. Let's encourage and inspire others to tell the children about Jesus in unique and creative ways. Because of this podcast, more and more ears are learning about Bible to School. And because of this, we need prayer warriors. For every state that has a program, we need at least one person interceding on their behalf. Could this person be you? Go to Bible2School.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We'll get this conversation started. Ready to sit back and hear how The Chosen brings the Bible to life for all ages? Let's join Dallas and Corey's interview now. Welcome, Dallas Jenkins, to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. We are so excited to have you today. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. So you guys do great work. Well, you have a lot of people out there that have watched The Chosen, know about your work. They don't know much about you, though. So I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners about yourself and your family. Yeah, well, I grew up in a strong Christian home. My dad is Jerry Jenkins. Um, a lot of people know him as the author of the Left Behind books and uh, was always raised in good churches and schools. I actually went to a Christian school most of my life. So I, I didn't experience the public school system after about third grade or so. So a lot of what you do, which is very important, I was actually blessed, unlike a lot of the students that you're trying to reach. Uh, I was blessed with a, a biblical education from a young age. Uh, it was in high school that I saw the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson, a 1970s movie. And I saw that movie in the late 80s and it changed my life. I immediately thought, whatever that is, I want to do that. I want to make movies or I want to make TV that can result in the same kind of emotional reaction that I had to this movie. So that's when I started really getting into movies and TV and always noticed that the movies that I saw that came from like church world or from the faith community, I never liked as much, nearly as much as I did the regular stuff. So I thought, boy, couldn't we make good movies too and good TV too? It just, uh, I thought that from a very young age. Now I'm married to my college sweetheart. I met her at a small Christian college in St. Paul, Minnesota. 
And uh, she's Amanda. She writes actually all of the extra content or most of the extra content for The Chosen. It's kind of the lead author on our Bible studies and our devotional books and our children's books. I have done her Bible study. Her, I have yeah. high, highly recommend all those things. Yeah, our my, my daughter's-in-law and I and friends already did the Bible study. So it's wonderful, wonderful stuff yeah, that she's doing. Shout out to Amanda. Yeah, yeah, she's great. And we have one for each season and we have uh, the devotional books. And there's actually a kid's devotional book that's out now. And that's a, a kid's version of the adult devotional book. And we have a teen Bible study coming out here soon as well. So a lot going on because the what we always like to say, the chosen isn't the end game. Uh, the chosen will hopefully help you know and love Jesus better. But ultimately, discipleship and worship, Bible reading, that's the end game. I have four kids, two in college. I'm actually, the reason I probably don't sound quite as The audio is probably not as good as it normally would be when I do conversations as I'm in a hotel room in Virginia with my daughter, Maya, who's a college student at Liberty. So I have two kids in Liberty and uh, two kids in high school uh, where we live in uh, Texas. You guys are busy. Those are busy times. So I totally understand. It's great you're there with your daughter. Now, some people don't know who The Chosen is. So can you explain The Chosen and, and, and why you got started on this big project in the first place? Yeah. The Chosen is the first ever multi-season show about the life of Christ. So there's been movies, there's been miniseries, there's never actually been a multi-season show that allows you, like with other television shows that you watch, to follow the characters episode to episode, season to season, get, dig into the backstories, take your time developing relationships and developing some of the why and the context, the historical context, the biblical context, the cultural context behind a lot of the stories. We know a lot of these stories from the Bible But just like what a pastor does when a pastor gets up and and unpacks it for you, uh, a lot of times they're giving that context that you don't get from the Bible. The Bible wasn't intended as a TV show. It wasn't intended as as a normal book. Really, it was the writers were giving essentially Jesus's greatest hits to prove that he was the Messiah. And a lot of the things that you see in the Bible, the reader, the writer was assuming the reader had context for because it was written in the context of first century uh, Judaism. So they make references to things that unless someone explained it to you or unless you did research, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't understand. So as much as I believe the Bible is sufficient for salvation, it's sufficient for a relationship with God, the Gospels, if you want to truly understand the context of the time that Jesus came, you quite frankly wouldn't be able to do that just from the Bible alone, uh, which is why we have uh, sermons and why we have books and devotional books and all that to just help unpack that. So that's what the show is. Some people have called it fan fiction, which I think is a fair uh, assessment. I'm I'm obviously a a follower of Jesus and a believer in the Bible. A good chunk of the show is we don't, we we, we outright say right up front, this is not scripture. Uh, We're not adding to your Bible. Your Bible has not changed since The Chosen came out. The reason we're not adding to scripture is because we're not scripture. We are a show uh, made by flawed people and uh, we're ultimately not going to contradict the character and intentions of Jesus in the Gospels, but we are using cultural context, historical context, and some artistic imagination to come up with what we believe is a plausible reimagining, retelling of uh, the Gospel stories and the context around them. So there's three seasons out now. Uh, We made a decision back when COVID hit in 2020 to make the show totally free, which doesn't make a whole lot of financial or mathematical sense, but we've been doing a lot of things with The Chosen that don't make a whole lot of sense. We operate on God's plan, not our own. So, Well, tell me about the crowdfunding, because that was so creative, and that was like, you must have thought somebody was crazy coming to you and talking to you about that. 
Yeah, I had done a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service about the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. And it was just intended for my church. But while I was doing it, that's when I had the idea for the show. A very long story short, a small streaming platform saw the short film, loved it, heard my idea for the show, loved it, and said they wanted to make the show and finance it through crowdfunding, which I thought was a ridiculous idea because crowdfunding rarely works. And so I went ahead and went along with it just because I was like, well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm trying to operate on God's timing these days. I didn't think it was a good idea, but ultimately we ended up shattering the all-time crowdfunding record and generating over $10 million season one, just based on that little short film I did. Now, then we still had to, if you want to do future seasons, you have to make money. And for the first year or so, we weren't really making money. We weren't, we hadn't really cracked the code as to how to generate interest and income for a project that was existing on a, on an app. And uh, then we decided to make the show free for just a little bit. And uh, just as kind of a real gesture during COVID, but then it generated so much income from people choosing to pay for it and choosing to support it. We decided to make it free forever. So now we've done three seasons. We're about to go into filming on season four. I'd love to know about for you to take me back to the first day of filming The Chosen, just for a second. Like, you know, what were your expectations for the show? I know, I, you know I'm a leader as well. And sometimes we try things and we're like, well, I wonder how that's going to go. But what, what surprised you the most? What were your expectations and what surprised you the most? I honestly got to a place in life where I don't have expectations anymore because uh, God's doing something special that I'm just lucky to be part of. And so I, I really got to this place in life where I don't predict much. I don't have set goals as much. I don't have set expectations as much. I can certainly tell you The Chosen has vastly, vastly overwhelmed anything I would have ever tried to come up with as a goal. But the first day of filming, at the end of the day, no matter how much is going on around us, no matter how much success we've had at the time, we'd had this great success with crowdfunding. But when you're on the set and when you get the cameras in and the equipment in and the actors, and it's just you and the actors and the and the crew, you have to focus solely on that. So my expectations were, all right, on day one, we have to make a good show and honor God in the process. And whatever happens with this, I just can't predict or know about. So when I look back on it now, it's funny because we were so small and innocent and (laughs) didn't know what was coming. But even now, you know, as we're going into season four with more resources and much more expectations and fans and huge, huge fan base, still the same, still show up on day one. You still got to make a good show that honors God. So. One step at a time, always, right? Exactly. Following God with that. I love that's what I love about your leadership, that you try new things, that you're trusting God with the whole thing. You're you're holding it loosely. One thing that intrigued me about the the chosen was that the Bible doesn't give us much descriptions about the personalities of the disciples. How hard was it? I mean, we know Peter was was the strong personality, was a leader. How hard was it to create different personalities? while trying to stay as true to the Bible as you could? Well, it's difficult in the sense that you really want to do right by them. You want to honor them because in everything we do with this show, it needs to be plausible. So all of our characterizations of the disciples are ultimately rooted in what we believe is plausible, which adds pressure. But because there's so little said, it does give you some freedom to explore real human dynamics. But we start with what we do know from Scripture. And you can pick up on little things in scripture, like you mentioned with Simon. We all know he was headstrong. We know he was temperamental. We know that even as late as Jesus's crucifixion, as strong as Peter was and as strong as a leader as he was, he still 
made mistakes, still had issues. So we know what we can extrapolate from that, working our way backwards. What was he like before he met Jesus? Uh, Mary Magdalene, we know she was she had seven demons cast out of her. The Bible says that. So we can then explore what that might have been like. We know, for example, Nathaniel, Jesus, when he first meets him, identifies what his personality is like. He says, you're a man with no deceit. He's a truth teller. He's straightforward. We know that when he when he first heard about Jesus and he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. He's a straight shooter. And then the moment he realizes Jesus, who Jesus is, he says, you're the son of God. You know, So those are the kinds of things we can pick up on. Philip, a lot of scholars believe, and we believe that he was a previous disciple of John the Baptist. So he would have had more experience than the other disciples in terms of following and in terms of dealing with difficult situations. So we made him more of a more cool and collected, more of a leader. Those are the kinds of things you can extrapolate. Matthew is, of mm-hmm. course, our most popular one in terms of we look at him and go, okay, he was a numbers guy, a facts guy. He picked a profession that made him a social outcast. Okay, that I have a lot of familiar with Asperger's with autism spectrum that this uh, could could potentially be plausible that that he was in that that realm. So we explore that. So those are the kinds of things that we have had, I think, the most fun with in the show. And I think it's been the, the thing that has been the most humanizing, taking these people off of stained glass windows and turning them into human beings that we can connect with and that we can then see Jesus through their eyes. I love that. And also, it also sparks conversation. My husband, I was trying to get him to watch The Chosen, and he's not a TV watcher. He's not a a movie watcher at all. And I finally said, you just got to watch it. Then I'm done with it. You don't have to do it. He is totally hooked because we have conversations afterwards about the disciples and what they wrestle through. And and then we go dive into into the scripture. So I mean, that's the whole thing is getting people interested in the scripture. Bible to school does that with second, third and fourth graders, kids saying, you know, I, I didn't know who God was. I, I didn't even know. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So why do you think it's so important to get people interested in the Bible, Dallas? Well, the Bible is is life. You know, we believe God wrote a book and he used odd human beings to do it. His story of his relationship with the Jewish people, and then ultimately his relationship with all of us, and his deciding to God the Father, sending his son to earth to be one of us, to live a life like we lived, but ultimately die in a way that allows us to achieve wholeness with God. That's a story that changed the world at the time, has continued to change the world. And so what we want as creators of the chosen and what you want in your ministry, getting Bibles in the hands of people is it's not your job to save people. It's your job to give them as much information as possible so that they can have a relationship with God. And if they choose to reject God or choose to reject this story, well, that's not really up to us, but we can at least stand before God and say, we did what we could to get the truth, to get your story in front of as many people as possible. And then you, as Jesus said in a, in a, parable in the Gospels when he says, we want, as fishermen do, they gather fish, they separate the, they throw the rotten fish back in the ocean and they keep the good fish. He says, I want you to gather, you gather fish. I will, and the angels will at the end of the age, sort them out. So separate the evil from the righteous. So we consider the chosen. And I think your ministry is a gathering. We're going to gather and we're going to tell, we're going to gather people and we're not going to we're not going to do the work of what the angels and what God is going to do at the end of the age of separating the evil from the righteous. That's not our responsibility, but it is our responsibility to get the truth in front of as many people as possible. Amen. Totally agree with that. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. 
I have an old Bible at home. Where can I find this stuff? We love that our children are learning that truth is found in God's Word, and they want to read it for themselves. Many Bibles published today incorporate helpful tools, such as topical indexes to find passages referencing specific topics. Some contain ideas that come in handy to spark reading even more passages about a particular subject a child is interested in. We recommend coming alongside children and showing them not only those tools, but online resources like Bible Gateway or the Bible app. These tools quickly search scripture for words, phrases, and topics that interest children so that together you can find even more truths in the Bible to discuss. I, you talked about God and how he shows up and you've seen him, I know with my, our ministry as well, we've seen him show up lots of places. Can you, you have clear God moments that you can highlight for us to tell us and encourage us about how he showed up on The Chosen? Well, we've just had so many moments where we, we call them Red Sea moments. That's the term my wife came up with, where the Israelites were taken to the edge of the Red Sea and God actually told them to camp there. He actually placed them in a position where there was no escape. As the Egyptians were coming and chasing them down, God actually planted them in this place where the only way out, the only way of escape was for God to do a miracle. And we've seen that on The Chosen so many times we, we, we lose count, but it's, it's in moments like we have a scene in season one, the, the, the miracle of the fish, where as Simon cast his net on the other side of the boat after a night, all night of fishing, and you know hundreds of fish just suddenly appear in the net. And uh, there's an important scene. And yet a couple of days before filming, we didn't have a boat, we didn't have a lake, and we didn't have fish. <laughs> All things that are pretty essential <laughs> for a scene like that. The lake was too high because uh, it had been flooded. The boat was still being made. We had decided to make our own boat, you know, just a few oh. weeks earlier. It was taking a long time. And then, you know, we lost all our options for for using real fish. And so we were going to have to use, so we decided to use CGI. And so, you know, that's a position where I, as the director, have done everything I can do. Right. And there's nothing left for me to do. I have to stand at the edge of the Red Sea. You know, we experienced that in season two uh, with a important scene also out on a lake where the fog was so thick we couldn't film for the first eight hours of the day. You can't control the weather. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so so we literally get in our cars and are starting to drive away, and the fog uh, literally cleared in two minutes, really? just like that. Uh, the whole day, my wife had told us we were going to be okay because God had given her an indication that we would be fine. And yet, as we were pulling out of the parking lot, it's like, well, I guess my wife was wrong. And then at the last moment, God literally—I mean, it was it, people who live in Texas and who've been there for thirty years were all saying, "I've never seen this ever," where the fog just literally yeah. disappears, goes up to into the clouds which ended up giving us more time to film as you know at the end of the day because the sun was was bouncing off the clouds and the, the fog. I mean, it's things like this that you wonder, well, why does God do that? Why not just not present the problem in the first place? Why not just have right. it be a little easier? Yeah. But I think it's because he wants us to be dependent on him. He wants us to have our, our hands outstretched. Right. He wants us to trust. Absolutely. You were talking about different episodes you did. One obviously attracted... Bible to schools a lot. And that was, you devoted an entire episode to Jesus interacting with the children. Tell me about that. Why did you decide to do that? That was really cool, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, that was episode three of season one. And uh, the first two episodes, we actually don't see Jesus a whole lot. Like episode one, Jesus isn't introduced until the end. And and, uh, we're trying to set the stage that this is a show 
as much about the people who are knowing Jesus encounter him and so we can see Jesus through their eyes. Well, episode three, I decided to just do an episode where we just spend time with Jesus kind of out in the wilderness. We see him waking up and doing his morning prayers and his brushing his teeth and preparing his food and making his own fire. And a group of kids comes across, kind of randomly comes across him as they're out playing. And so the, the episode is kind of a preview of Jesus's ministry in many ways. So there's a lot of reasons we did that. One, just to show Jesus alone, to spend some time with Jesus as, as a viewer, to get a little bit of, like I said, the preview of his ministry, some of the teachings he gives to the children or teachings that you know kind of happen throughout his, his ministry for the crucifixion. And he was making fire. He was doing his own thing. Like he was doing everything yeah. that a human would do. <laughs> right. And that was key too, is we're really humanizing Jesus in that, which you'd think you might go, well, that's dangerous because we forget, then we'll forget about his deity. We'll forget about the fact that he's God. And you go, well, actually that episode for many people enhanced their joy in their minds for the fact that the creator of the universe dwelt among us and like us had to make his own fire and make his own food. And so it, it really became, we, we've heard a lot about that, that episode. And especially, it's a, it seems to be a great intro point for, for kids, too, because the show isn't really very kid-friendly. I mean, it's not inappropriate or anything, but it's just mm -hmm. the plot lines can be complicated. But yet I hear over and over and over again from people whose kids as young as six or seven years old love the show, yes. binge the show, want to watch it repeatedly. I don't understand it. But episode three had a lot to do with that, where it really, I think, gave you permission as a viewer to recognize that Jesus was for kids as much as adults and uh, wants us to actually have childlike faith. Well, it's also he paid attention to them. He listened to them. He truly zeroed in on them. And what we hear at Bible to School, kids say a lot, where'd I come from? Where's my purpose? What happens after I die? And you say, are those kid questions? Well, they are kid questions, but they're also adult questions. And the gospel answers that. The, the word of God answers that. And I just, when you were had the first episode, uh, when little Mary Magdalene memorizes the, the scripture, right? what a beautiful way to start The Chosen, where Isaiah, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Why did you pick that? What went through your head with that? Yeah, so that scripture, you know, we, we decided to make Mary Magdalene the focus of our first episode because we thought, she had the most dramatic arc, you know, character journey from demon possession yeah. to following Jesus. And so we thought, how can we unpack that? What can we do to look to look into that and see what it must have been like for her? So we worked our way backwards from demon possession. What would have caused someone like a, a Jewish person who grows up in a Jewish community where almost everyone was religious and followed God would have been difficult to be become demon possessed. What would have caused that? Well, typically it's trauma to some sort of disassociative event that happens. That So we were, what could that have been? And so we thought about the death of her father. We thought about perhaps an assault from a Roman officer, which would have uh, perhaps introduced darkness into her life. And so we, we just explored all that on that episode. Well, we thought, starting with her as a kid, her relationship with her father, what are the things that maybe her father put into her life that maybe she can try to go to as she's older? And so those verses just really powerful also because it says, you are mine. I've called you by name. And so we thought, well, what happens a lot of times to these women who've been the victims of assault or who kind of reject their upbringing, reject their lives, oftentimes can even take a different name. So we thought maybe she gave herself a different name. She's just trying as much as possible to distance herself from her faith mm. and from her upbringing when Jesus brings back that very scripture. 
and uh, calls her by her real name and, and asserts that, that she is his. We thought that's not only an, a, an amazing message for, for her, for the character, but for us as well. So maybe we don't have demon possession. Maybe we don't have, didn't have a loss of our father as, as a child, but most of us have experienced some sort of trauma or some sort of vice that we have that keeps us from remembering those words. It's beautiful. It was a beautiful depiction of God's love for us and who our identity is in and, and that he, we belong to him. And it's, it's repeated over and over in actually all the episodes, how you, you portray things and, and again, pull them back to scripture. Now, do you have a favorite episode? <laughs> I would say up until the season three, my favorite episode was probably the episode I just mentioned earlier about the miracle of the fish, just because I know so much went into that episode and I do really like it. I believe it's one of our better episodes and the, the filming of it is a great memory. Season three, there's an episode where Jesus comes back to his hometown of Nazareth and uh, reunites with, you know, hangs out with childhood friends. And, and you know, you see Jesus kind of in his, in his hometown with people who knew him as a kid and you see why they would have been so upset when he claims that he's the Messiah. So I really ended up loving that episode a lot. And then the season finale of season three, which I don't want to get spoilers away, but right. it's probably our epic episode ever and has so far been, uh, in terms of the response to it, has has been uh, over, the, over the moon. So I, I, I certainly love that episode as well. And you used the people who fund you came as extras for that episode, correct? Yeah, so the season finale of season three includes the feeding of the 5,000, which we gave people the opportunity if they wanted to help finance the show that they could have an opportunity to come be on the set. Very cool. Very creative. Yeah, so uh, so we literally had over the course of three days, 10,000 people that we used for that scene. And it really uh, not only honored our relationship with our fans, but gave them an experience that they won't forget and also made the scene better because uh, it's real people, not just CGI. We appreciate that you are very real, that you connect with us as fans or, I don't know, fellow believers, I don't know, encouragement. It's always so cool to see other ministries just, you know, hitting it out of the park. Do you have any advice for our listeners, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, Sunday school teachers, uh, how to engage children with the Word of God? How did you engage your own children? Well, I got to be honest, I, I think the chosen is in many ways my response to the fact that as I was growing up, I mean, I loved the Bible and I was in Awana. I was, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I was a Bible memorizer. My brother actually competed in Bible memorization and Sunday school certainly helped and going to a Christian school certainly helped. But there was that, that piece of, you know, there's a lot of that's just tough to understand sometimes, tough mm-hmm. to visualize when you're younger. And I just have heard from literally thousands of parents, either through social media or meeting me in public or just walking up to me at the airport or a restaurant and saying, my kids are more engaged with scripture than they've ever been because of the chosen. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, my advice to you is show the chosen to your kids. That would be pretty, uh, at least sound self-serving. But I'm just telling you, the reason we did it is to get people more engaged with scripture ultimately. So it has proven to be a very strong tool for kids. Even the things that maybe come over their heads a little bit, allows you to talk about it and allows you to explore it and connect with scripture. So whether it's The Chosen or whether it's VeggieTales or other programs that provide a bit of a, of a visual, an audio visual experience, that really, that's not, that should never replace scripture, of course, right. but it can often unlock, you know, like, oh, okay, now, now that I see them as real people, now that I see that these, these aren't just 
you know, random stories on a page, it does help unlock the engagement in scripture that is sometimes difficult for kids. Right. Well, Dallas, our time is up with you. We, it's been such a great time talking to you. How can we watch The Chosen? How can we connect with The Chosen if we've never heard of it before? Well, season one is available almost everywhere. I mean, you go to Amazon, Netflix, Peacock, you can get it on DVD. It's really easy to find. If you want to watch all three seasons and, it's, and you want to do it totally free, let's say you don't have a subscription to those platforms, the, the Chosen app. So you literally go to wherever you get your apps on your mobile device, or if you've got a streaming uh, device like Apple TV or Roku or Fire TV, you just literally look up The Chosen and you'll see an app called The Chosen. It's got yep. Matthew as the icon and it's totally free, totally easy. We don't even require an email address or anything like that. So yeah, you can just watch it that way as well and catch up on all three seasons. That's the best way. But there's, you know, if you're old school, you want a DVD, that's fine too. Well, that's how I watch it through the app. And I got hooked and then I got my husband hooked and I got my kids all hooked. So if you're listening out there, try The Chosen. Uh, It's really worth your time. And Dallas Jenkins, you've been very gracious to us when you have time with your family, you took away to talk to us. So we really appreciate that. Uh, Would you mind closing us in prayer, please? Absolutely. God, uh, thank you for uh, this ministry, the Bible to School, and thank you for what you've done with The Chosen, and I consider it a partnership. We are ultimately trying to get people to engage with Scripture and to get to know and love Jesus more, and ultimately that's going to result in the Bible and Bible reading, which is what this great ministry does. So thank you for that, and I thank you in advance for some of the people who are going to be impacted through your word pray that you'll continue to to grow us, to refine us, to help us surrender to you so that when we are serving, even when we're serving you, that we're not getting ahead of ourselves or taking responsibility for the results, that we're just surrendered and humble and broken and relying on you to do the work of multiplication. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just praising God for this partnership. Isn't it amazing that when it comes to kingdom work, we all have the same task, which is just as Dallas said, to get the truth in front of as many people as possible. Have you started watching The Chosen? Maybe you've binged watched it like me and already started over again. Or maybe this is your first time hearing about it. I love how this series truly brings the Bible to life, using scripture and bringing in historical and cultural facts from that era. By adding in their artistic imagination, the producers of this show help us relate with the characters so we can connect with and see Jesus through their eyes. Are you looking for ways to engage the children in your life with the Word of God? Why not watch The Chosen with them? This, along with other audiovisual experiences, really helps unlock the reality of the Word and bring it to life for them. So before heading out today, be sure to go to our website, BibleToSchool.com, that's Bible, the number two, school.com, and click on the show notes from today's episode you'll find what you need to connect with The Chosen and all the extras offered. I'd also ask that you find Bible to School on Facebook and Instagram. If you could just like us and share us, what an easy and organic way to help us spread our message. We want everyone to know that they can tell the children about Jesus in fun and interactive ways. Don't forget to stop in here next week to catch Corey's conversation with Hillary Morgan Ferrer from Mama Bear Apologetics. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Until then, have a blessed week. And remember, you can tell the children about the love of Jesus.